Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Radiohead. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! Hey, I'm your host, Elliot Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. This week, I'm joined by... Nick Dawson, Editor-in-Chief of Talk House Film. Nick, welcome back to the show. This is a very special edition in a couple of ways. First off, today's conversation features Black Thought, lead MC of The Roots, in conversation with brilliant comedian Wyatt Sinek. Second of all, this is our first intro we've recorded in quarantine. How are you holding up over there? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I know it's been a rough couple of weeks. Yes, I, I've i been very, very ill with coronavirus for the last two weeks. I have never had the snot kicked out of me by a virus like this before. I'm talking to you from my bed 14 days into the virus. So if you notice, listeners, that I'm a little bit less exuberant than usual, it is not to do with today's episode. It is just that I've had the wind knocked out of me a little bit. Listeners, we hope that all of you have been safe and healthy and sheltered with your loved ones. And uh, on that note, let's get on with the show. Yeah, let's do it. For listeners who may be newer to the TalkHouse podcast, On Air Fest is this amazing podcast festival that happens each spring at the White Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. We presented there before and we're super psyched to be asked back. I took a couple days there and caught some amazing conversations and performances. Talib Kweli with John Forte, Hanif Abdurraqib, who wrote The Great Tribe Called Quest book last year discussing hip-hop mixtapes. I got to see some radio legends in action, Stretch and Bobito. And I accidentally sent half of the podcasting community in New York into quarantine when just a couple of days after the festival, I found out that my wife had tested positive and, and I tested positive and our daughter's positive. As soon as we heard that my wife tested positive, TalkHouse reached out to On Air, who let all of the participants and attendees know because it, it was really important to us that people know to get tested and to go into quarantine to protect their friends and family and strangers here in New York City. One person whose name you might know that I sent into quarantine and felt terrible about was Ira Glass. It was so nice to see him at the festival. We had a wonderful catch up. Thankfully, he has not showed any symptoms, but he's hosted and produced their show this week from quarantine at his home. I spoke with my very dear brother-in-law, Ben Calhoun, who's a longtime producer on This American Life and Serial, about the fears and hopes and just how honestly crazy the experience of having coronavirus with your family is. And so you can check that out tomorrow on This American Life. But right now, I want to transport you guys back to a more innocent time before New York and so much of the country had been hit by quarantine. And I want to take you to On Air Festival 2020. Nick, can you set this talk up for us, man? Absolutely. We have two amazing guests, and, and this is a terrific conversation, and it was just really perfect to have this come together for On Air Fest. I, I think this is one of the best episodes we've done, and it was before everything went to shit. We can, we can look back and sort of revel in how great this conversation was. Totally. And I have to say, Wyatt and Tariq took in a lot. Definitely. We started with beards and beard grooming. There were some amazing beards on display, Nick. And just before we went on stage, listeners who have been to our events know I have a pretty big beard, which often looks a little bit like uh, 
I'm on some desert island. But Black Thought actually groomed his with a pick before going out. I was very impressed. That is very impressive. And there's there's lots of stuff that they talk about that I never knew about from Tariq singing doo-wop as a kid and being at school with boys to men. Oh my God. And Beanie Siegel? And jazz bassist Christian McBride, one of the greatest bassists ever. I mean, this school, I, I hope that they're getting some fat endowment checks because their students have sold millions and millions of records. It's amazing. For sure. And of course, he was at school with uh, with Questlove. That's where the roots have their roots. So those are some amazing stories. We get to hear also about Wyatt's early adventures in showbiz with some pretty colorful characters. And also there's an amazing story from him about a disastrous and hilarious time that he had hosting a CMJ hip hop show. On that topic of disastrous live shows, we hear about Tariq floundering right in front of Jay-Z at Jay-Z's tribute gala. <laughs> I, I can only <laughs> imagine what that must have been like. Truly, truly terrifying. And we also get to hear about Tariq and sort of this new burst of creativity that he's had since he's uh, been sober, which is very, very cool to hear. And, which is now a suspicious idea, the need for adult playgrounds. Yeah, it, it makes sense when you hear them talking about it. Out of context, a little confusing. <laughs> Should we roll the tape? Let's roll the tape. Talk, 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 talk house podcast host, Elia Einhorn. Yeah, what's up? What's up on air? How you guys feeling? How many of you are admittedly podcast nerds? Because I feel being here like we are at the podcast epicenter of the universe here at On Air Fest. Today, we have created a very special pairing for you. We have comedian Wyatt Cenac and Black Thought of The Roots. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you a little about these folks, just in case you've been living under a rock. Tariq Trotter, a.k.a. Black Thought, is definitely one of the busiest artists working today. In fact, he told me backstage that he wakes up at 3.30 every morning so that he can work before his kids wake up. This is a true fact. He's the lead MC of seminal hip-hop group The Roots, who have released 14 LPs. They're about to release their 15th this year. The Roots are also the house band on NBC's The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon. Black Thought hosts the Philly comedy showcase Delirious, and he's a co-organizer of the legendary Roots Picnic, which this year is uh, headlined by DaBaby, Summer Walker, and Meek Mill. In October, the new satirical musical Black No More by Oscar winner John Ridley and Tariq opens off Broadway. Tariq is going to be starring in it as well as having written the music. That adds to his uh, IMDb. He's also uh, appeared in Bamboozled, The Deuce, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt as an actor, and so many more. Comedian Wyatt Sinek made his name as a star correspondent and writer on The Daily Show. He's written for King of the Hill and starred on BoJack Horseman, Marin, Inside Amy Schumer, and loads more. He's dropped comedy specials on Comedy Central and Netflix and hosted the web series AKA Wyatt Sinek, as well as most recently HBO's Wyatt Sinek's Problem Areas. For the next 30, 35 minutes, I turn it over to you. Come on out, Wyatt Sinek, Black Thought. All right, now I guess we have to talk. I guess. <laughs> no, this is uh, very cool. Thanks for showing up to Williamsburg uh, no, on a know. Saturday morning. Come on, man. Thanks for uh, you know deeming me interesting enough. <laughs> 
Uh, wait, I, I never said that. Number one. This is really just an opportunity to try and give you some verses uh, for your next album. Oh, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to up my game as a ghostwriter. Uh, no, I'm, I was trying to think back because Elliot asked when, when did we first meet? And I can't remember. I have to assume that it was probably something like maybe the Daily Show rally in D.C. or something like that. Maybe. Oh, yeah. What was that? Was it the riot? To, the rally to, to restore, rally to restore sanity. sanity. I think it was either that or maybe when I, was, when I came on Fallon. Maybe. Probably. I don't know, man. I think, you know, whenever we met, our beards had, you know, met yeah. long, long before yes. then. They... So, that's the thing most people don't know about beards is that beards they know one another yeah. through the centuries. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And they're so. like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I I see your growth pattern, and <laughs> I'm either in awe or envy. <laughs> beard, beard gang. Yeah, you do have a good beard, and that's a very Philly beard. It, yes, it's very Philly. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. You're, you're, well, you just cut your beard, I think, a little bit. I just got a haircut. Yeah, Because yeah. I, I can't. Mine, when my, I love that this whole thing is just going to be about <laughs> male grooming. Um, who'd have thought? Black Thought and Wyatt Snack get together. And they just talked about grooming the whole time. Uh, mine goes wild man real quick. Yeah. I've always envied just the sort of, sharp line of your beard and your ability for it to like grow out and like in like a way that makes sense when mine grows out if it gets too long it starts to fork in this weird way oh, wow. that i look like i'm somehow related to the devil oh wow like, well it's funny it's funny that you would say that because i um man when i go to my barber like if i want it brought to a certain sort of point i tell him to like dracula that shit out <laughs> And, you know, so it's kind of, you know, the devil Dracula thing. But, yeah, yeah. I, get, um, I talk to my beard every morning. Positive reinforcement, you know. Yeah. That stuff, it helps. See, I feel like mine right now, as more gray gets into it, I feel like it's giving me negative reinforcement. Oh, no. Like, oh, you're, you've, yeah, what are you doing here? You're, this is all going to go Santa Claus white soon. I mean, but, you know, that's sort of the point. I love, I love the whole, the salt and pepper, like, you know, the silver coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So every every morning, I, I yeah, silver fox or yeah. you know, silver back. Uh, I don't know. What you want to go. I look at my beard. I say you sure, you was smart. Fox. You was important. You was, uh, <laughs> and then I just, then I just start my day. <laughs> That's a good way to start the day. Yeah, man. Yeah, I. It's my version of of the power pose. Okay. Yeah. It's just yeah, some beard affirmations. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's a good thing. I mean, I guess though, just thinking about affirmations, like so much of hip hop is like built in this idea of affirmations. It's built in affirming oneself and yeah. trying to kind of say, you know, I am the best MC. I am, yep. uh, you know, I am the fastest, the smartest. And, and so there is like a very strange kind of power of positivity that I think people don't often associate with hip-hop that exists there. It is, it is. Um, I mean, you know, the, the foundation of hip-hop, uh, of the MC, uh, began as sort of just like, uh, uh, you know, someone who was needed to be the DJ's 
hype man. Right. It was all it was all about the DJ in the seventies and, and in the early eighties. And um the MC was just, you know, when the DJ was trying to figure out what to play next or, you know, needed a little break, you know, when there was a, a pregnant pause, then you know, his hype man would get to speak a little bit. Um, otherwise, it was just to get the crowd sort of into what the DJ was doing. So you would hype your DJ up um, in the sense of, uh, you know, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. So, you know, when Will Smith would be talking about Jeff as the Magnificent, and right. you, you sort of talk about how your DJ is faster than a speeding bullet and can leap tall buildings in a single bound. But then at some point that shifted and it it, it became you know, more about oneself. Right. So yeah, the whole braggadocio, you know, I it's like, you know, well, my DJ is, you know, Superman, but I'll whip Superman's ass, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> that feels like it can create some serious infighting issues. Yeah, if you're yeah, like, yeah. My DJ's Superman, but I am his <laughs> kryptonite. Um, for you, what was it that initially drew you into one MC? Um, you know, I've just always been a performer. Um, I started uh, at a really young age performing like like doo-wop songs. Really? And, yeah. Um, do, you know, we, we used to get those eight tracks, eight track cassettes that... Uh, I don't um, know what those are. I'm well, very they, young. It's, a, it's an, an antiquated uh, form of technology. Like Napster? <laughs> so, How's that guy doing? What's he up to? <laughs> we used to play... The you know, you know these uh, uh, compilations in my house that um, you know it, it, there was lots of doo wop music yeah. on there. I mean, but it would be all sorts of stuff. It would be you know maybe uh, like Bowser and those guys uh, like oh Shana Na yeah like the Shana Na. No, yeah. you're not. Now you're showing your age. Like oh Shana Na. Like no no you know that's saying? it's a it's a very popular <laughs> meme that's going around is the Shana Na meme. It's but, everybody knows the Shana Na yeah. meme. It would be like you know. Sha na na sort of stuff, and then it'd be like uh, you know, split splash. I was taking a bath. And, oh sure, yeah. You know the monster mash and all that sort of stuff, and um, those are the sort of songs that I would I would perform when I was you know six or seven. I thought you were about to say when you were twenty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then we got uh, this MC coming in. Then, split splash. Uh, I was right. taking a bath. <laughs> I win. Everybody say splish. <laughs> I um, I guess around in the third grade, I, I did my first talent show, and um, you know it was a competition school sort of deal, and we sang a song, we covered a, a DeBarge song, um, I think it was like Ooh and I Like It or something, okay. and you know that was like the song, that was like the R&B smash hit yeah. of the moment, and you know we thought we would win and we get the girls, and and we didn't, we lost the competition, yeah. So and I think we lost to some guys who were rapping and like, you know, break dancing and doing that whole thing. So the next year when I was in the fourth grade, I um I decided to, you know, to compete again, but to get a rap group together. Oh, wow. So I got a rap group together and it was uh, myself, uh, a friend of mine, uh, one of my classmates, this guy named Walik, I think. And then uh, uh, Beanie Siegel, you know, the rapper Beanie Siegel. Yeah. So yeah, the three of us, um, we got a group together when he, Beans was in the third grade though, but yeah, when I was in the fourth. <laughs> and uh and we rocked and we did this thing and uh and won. We won the talent show. Oh wow. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. It's also interesting how like music and just talent shows in general, I don't know if 
there are as many like local talent shows today as I feel like there were like when we were kids. Yeah, there aren't. Yeah, and that I feel like the talent show is such is such an interesting way for a kid to kind of like explore and develop and figure out a little bit of what their voice is. Because I remember, I think I was probably like junior high, high school. I I knew that I liked performing, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I liked comedy, but I was living in Dallas, Texas. And so I didn't really know how one finds their way onto like television from right. Texas. But I also liked singing. And I remember I was in like my church choir and stuff. And at some point I remember... I had these two friends, DaVinci and Kim, and the three of us decided we were going to start like a little acapella singing group and try to get in some talent shows. And I think DaVinci got us hooked up with a manager named Champagne. Oh, man. I mean, it sounds like DaVinci and Champagne were destined to work together. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, that was, yeah, no. that's Wyatt, uh, not so much. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that was kind of what Champagne was saying. Like, that's funny. But no, yeah, the talent show, man, it's a, it's sort of a lost, you know, art form. Yeah. And um, later in life, you know, once I was in high school, that's how Quest Love and I sort of really, you know, bonded um, and really became uh, what would, we were different, I think we were called radioactivity at the time, but, you know, what became The Roots was, again, about, you know, talent show and just being popular in school. And um, these guys, uh, Boys to Men, were an acapella group that were yeah. super popular at our school. And I think at that time, they weren't called Boys to Men yet. They were called the uh, Unique Attraction. That's, and, sounds um, like a male strip club. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so they were singing, and uh, we had this annual talent show called uh, The Sentimental Journey. <laughs> that also sounds like a strip club. Right. I feel like there are a lot of people who showed up to Sentimental Journey, the talent show, right. thinking they were going to a strip club. <laughs> Especially when they thought Unique Attraction was going to be right. there. They were like, just wait, a, what is this? Yeah, there was just a lot of bachelor and bachelorette parties that yeah. showed up and were like, wait a minute. Oh, but this this is good. Yeah, so we, um, you know, we sort of started doing what we what we do so we could compete with them. And, yeah, um, yeah I think the first time we performed together in high school, it was uh, Questlove and myself and um, and Christian McBride uh, played bass yeah. for us. Oh, uh, wow. Who, who would later go on to, you know, become arguably the greatest bassist, jazz bassist of all time. Yeah. But, yeah, so. That's very cool that there was, like, this creative incubator that existed in Philly yeah. that you got to be a part of. And just, that's. I feel like that's one of those things that people don't always take into account is, right. like, just how connected sometimes people can be creatively in this way where, oh, yeah, we watched each other grow up and we, I gave you a little something and then that may have impacted you and you gave me a little something and that changed the way I thought. But we all were pushing each other in this way that we all got to succeed and we all got to find our own musical voice and yeah. platforms. Yeah, that's very real. And, um, you know, I was always uh, primarily like a visual artist. That's how I wound up in the high school for creative and performing arts where, uh, you know, the roots began. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was like that energy of which you speak was so, you know, tangible that, you know, it, I would cut my visual art classes just to go and absorb whatever sort of other medium. It was like yeah. I was over 
you know, my type of art at that point. And I would go and hang out, you know, in the dance classes. And I would go and hang out. And, you I know, like that you looked at the crowd yeah, as though like, you were <laughs> waiting to see if they were going to be like, is he going to right, dance for no, us no. now? If we, go. is he going, are they, is the crowd going to start going, dance, 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 <laughs> dance, dance. And if they do, will I, Tariq, right, yeah, get no. up and not, show I'm, them I'm, I'm not the dancer inside of me? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, man, no matter well, what. Because they haven't started going, dance, dance, right. dance. Now, if you guys start chanting a specific dance, like if you guys are like, limbo, 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 then, <laughs> you know, I might, I might get, get tricky with it. But yeah, I would cut my classes, um, you know, to go and watch, you know, Quest Love, yeah. Practice Drums, or Christian McBride, or Joey DeFrancesco, Boys to Men. Like, all these guys were, you know, just in school, like, right up the hall. Yeah. And, I mean, probably, you know, like, already super, super good. So it's like, yo, do I want to sit in here and, you know, paint? Or do I want to go, you know, here, end of the road, down the hall? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. Do you still, you said you, you got into the high school for visual arts. Yeah. Are you still doing any of that? Do you still paint? Do you still draw? A little bit. I do. I do. I still draw. I still paint. Um, I'm doing a couple collaborative efforts uh, with some of my, you know, some friends of mine who are artists this year. Um, I'm actually working on something right now with uh, uh, an exhibit uh, to open around June in Japan with the artist uh, Hank Willis Thomas. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he and I work. We actually been working together uh, with a larger collective of artists, um, not only visual artists, but just a larger creative collective called The Wide Awakes that you probably, uh, you know, people are going to be hearing about. That shit finna drop, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's how you got to say it, rap way. <laughs> yeah. That shit finna drop. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, if you want to, if you're looking for any no, subjects, no, to, we're good. We're good. subjects to yeah. paint, I'm just saying, I got this haircut, the beard's cut. If you, I'm going to give you my man Champagne's number. <laughs> I have a feeling I know how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. This is not going to go well for me. Um, I'm curious, just thinking about just what you were saying as far as like, Going into high school, thinking about visual arts and then finding your way into music is interesting now as you're venturing into theater. Like, how much of that is a similar thing to high school Tariq? Like, being around in a city where there is, like, a vibrant theater scene and being able to have access to that, is that some of what drove you into wanting to do this show? Um, I feel like that's all of it, you know? That's all of it. I've been around, I've been doing what I do for such a long time that... 107 um, years. Yeah, you know? Yeah. You get... Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a little jaded, you know? I'm just like, I'm over, you know, sort of the the the, the new feel right. of, of you know, certain mediums in which uh, I work and that I've yeah. worked in for a long time. So, yeah, when an opportunity presents itself for me to do something new... You know, it's all storytelling. So when I'm able to, you know, to tell a different story in a different way, then it's exciting again. And it and it has that new smell and new feel yeah. again for me. Um, but yeah, because I was exposed to all of it at, at a young age and you know, when I was young and, and impressionable, I feel like it's just sort of in me, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, branching out into theater, um, for some people who are sort of fi just finding out, it's like, wow, you know, head explodes sort of deal. Um, but for me, it just it feels like the natural progression. Yeah. Well, and it feels like being, I, I, I think about living in New York. I 
see more theater. Like I feel like in the last year or so, I've seen like whether it was like Slave Play or uh, Fairview or uh, even like the play that goes wrong. Like there are just Why things you hum- that- humble bragging about all the plays you see. Like- yeah, <laughs> let's let's go play for play. I saw Fairview. What'd you see? I saw uh, uh, Whirly Burl. Oh, oh, that's that's See? not even a play. Deep dive, deep dive. Uh, I think you just made up a thing. <laughs> I think you just made up a name, and I don't have my phone here to fact check it. Nah. But no, but I think about like living here. I because there is so much theater around. I never prior to living in New York would think about going to shows, right. and then to go see shows especially something like a a show like Fairview or thinking about a show like Slave Play where they fuck with the form and they bring a different perspective and voice into a space that I didn't always feel like I had access to. And, you know, and I, and I, but in that way, it's like, oh, this is very cool. Just this other medium that you have at your disposal to tell stories. And I, I think similarly, like, with stand-up, for me, that's a medium where I'm like, oh, I'm not as excited by it in the way that I used to be. Right. And not that I'm like, I want to go do a stage play, but what I see when I go see shows are like, oh, wow, here's a way to take the stage and the spoken word on stage and shift it and change it and do different things and evolve yeah. it in these ways. And I don't know if I was in another city, if I would be as, uh, if I'd be looking at it that way. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think there's any place like New York for that, you know, as far as just being, you know, um, completely immersed in all that culture. And yeah, in the same way you're, you know, you've been doing comedy so long that it's not exciting for you anymore now. Well, stand-up. Comedy is exciting, but stand-up. Stand-up is super exciting for me because it's some new shit. You know, so um, yeah. I, so, do you want to do a tight five right now? I mean, whatever. <laughs> you, I'll do a tight five, and you spit a sixteen. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah. I, I once, I once had to host a CMJ hip hop show, uh, the CMJ Music Festival, wow. and I, I had to like host it, and. I don't know why they asked me to host it, and it was kind of a nightmare situation uh, accidentally. I can imagine. Um, well, hold on a second. <laughs> well, no, because a couple things happened. First off, I was just kind of like doing bits in between the artists, and so at one point, I was like, oh, this is a hip-hop show. I should freestyle. And so I just kept pretending I was freestyling, but just doing like parents just don't understand. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I just came up with this one. Okay, here's the situation. My parents, and I would just do like, and I would just keep doing versions of it. But then uh, ultimately I got in trouble because there were some guys out front of the venue who were trying to hawk CDs and they like gave me a CD and I I had asked them like, oh, are you coming into the show? And they were kind of like, nah, fuck that. And so then I thought, I was like, oh, there were some guys outside that they were hawking their CD, but they were like, oh, fuck this show. Should we play their CD? And so 
I put this, I, I, like, the DJ was like, no. And then, it was like, uh, and so, but then I just kept, like, I had the CD and I was, like, making fun of it and just, like, going through the track listings because there were, like, a couple of songs. There was, like, Mr. Do You Write and Mr. Do You Write Part 2 and Mr. Do You Write Part 4. And I was just, like, making fun of all this and, like, the DJ was, like, mm. And then somebody in the crowd was, like, watch out. And one of the headliners on the show, that was their protégés. Wow. <laughs> and I had been shitting on their protégés. That's crazy. And so then I was like, oh, fuck, I, I'm a shithead. And so I went back on stage. I apologized. And now then the I, damage had been done, man. Well, but then I actually, I had invited one of the, I invited the guys. I was like, you're not, I went backstage. I was like, you're not on the lineup, but I have to kill like 10 minutes. Would you all want to come out and just like, one, I'll apologize publicly, but two, you all just like, make this your CMJ showcase. You got five minutes. And they were like, no. Nah. And, <laughs> and then I was just like, I'm going to get uh, fucking beat up yeah, after this. Yeah, and yeah. I've never been back. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. I'm big. Do you right? You talking about little do you right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kick your ass, man. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that's a valuable lesson. So I don't spit bars anymore because <laughs> it'll get me hurt. Yeah. And that's also why I don't do counting now. <laughs> I do. I try. I, get, I guess if I bomb, like, once I really bomb badly, I'll probably be like, ah, no, I'm not doing that shit anymore. But I feel like any, I don't, I don't know, I feel like there's an element of performing, like, you've had music shows that haven't gone the way you hoped. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's totally. the worst music show you've ever done. Okay, the worst music show that I've done, um, and it wasn't received, you know, super terribly, because it was like, it was in a room, for, the whole music industry was in this room, and, um, but they were all drunk, and, you know, just, you know, full of really, really good food, and it was like one of those, it was a gala, okay. and some folks were being honored, and one of the people that we had to honor, um, the roots, we were honoring uh, Jay-Z, who had I've recently he had signed us to a record deal. He you know, we were his artists, newly signed to Def Jam at the time. I think there was like a uh I wanna say a Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston tribute right before us, where Yolanda Adams in like a full choir just like destroyed. They just like, you know, yeah. killed shit. And then she was done. And they presented the award or whatever. And then she said, you know, if you guys think that was something, wait until you see what's coming up next. And she really oh, hyped no. us up. And we got on stage and it was it was The Roots. And we had uh, our good friend Robert Glasper sitting in on, on keyboard. And Talib Kweli was, uh, was rapping, was performing with me. And we had a singer with us too. Um, it may have been Jill Scott or it was like one of the, you know, a singer who often works with us. And... Um, yeah, we got up there, and where we had been, you know, sound checking all day and rehearsing and stuff, there were all of these, the whole stage was full, the room even was full of teleprompters with all of Jay-Z's lyrics, so I didn't have to really commit any of it to memory. And we were doing a bunch of songs that I just wa wasn't familiar with. But when we got up there to perform, all of the lyrics disappeared, like the teleprompters were blank. And the whole room, and it's like, you know, everyone was there. Like, the whole industry. Yeah. Like, you know, literally, like, everyone. And, um, you know, Jay-Z sitting up there in the front row, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, kill it. 
And uh, I turned to Kwali and I was like, yo, like, what's like, give me like my first line or something. And he was like, yo, I don't know. And so the, he turned away because he was trying to remember his shit. And where we would normally, I would be normally be able to communicate with Quest for some reason. He had his drum kit. Like he was enclosed in a plexiglass box. So he knew what I was supposed to say, but I couldn't hear him. So he was just drumming, like yelling. And he was like, yo, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I don't know what you're saying. So I just got up there. I just ad-libbed. I did it like my best Jay-Z, like, <laughs> like, I, I mean, there's a, there is a know? moment you could have just gone to Jay-Z and been like, like yeah, how like, does this start? <laughs> but, Excuse um, me. How do yeah, you start your song? Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, that was my worst feeling performance. Yeah. But even after the show was, you know, done, when it was all said and done, you know, Jay-Z and Diddy, all those guys, they said, yo, y'all, y'all killed that shit. Yeah. But, I mean, I just, I know we didn't. <laughs> we didn't kill it. But you know what? That was the last time I performed without a separate sort of, like, uh, system. Like, where I'm able to hear, like, now, we, we, when we perform, we have a, a separate, like, mic line that we hear in our monitors that only we can hear. Oh. You know, so, like, never again, even if, if I forget something, if I forget a cue or a transition or something, Quest is able to yell it into a different mic that okay. only we on stage can hear, and then, I'll, you know, it'll jog my memory. Yeah, or, like, if you want to do changes or anything like that, you yeah. can... Oh, yeah, that's... so, you know, we're able to sort of change on the fly, but I never forgot anything. I mean, yo, I just commit stuff to memory now, even if it's going to be on a teleprompter. Right. I also learned that lesson, but, you know... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's got to be a strange one because it's not like everybody booed or anything like that. It's just yeah. you had a plan in yeah. mind. I, bo and I, I booed myself. I booed myself that day, <laughs> man. you know. But you, that was, you know, out there, that sort of vulnerability, you know, just getting it, you know, in front of, you know, someone who you obviously have a great deal of respect and admiration for, to just drop the ball like that and just be exposed is what it's like to come out and do stand-up, like, every day. Like, that sort of just, like... Vulnerability, you know, just out there is, you know, what it feels like to do stand up. And that's why I have a great deal of respect for, you know, stand up comedians because there is no light show, there's no band, you know what I mean? There's no yeah. no one else to blame it on if it doesn't work. Right. You know? so, I mean, sometimes um, you can blame it on the crowd. Right, right. But yeah, I don't, yo, what the wrong with yeah. them today? But no, yeah. it always does kind of come back to you. And there is this raw thing that exists because it's, an immediate response. Like, yeah. you are being creative and it's, okay, I've spent weeks or months trying to hone these words that I I thought this was an interesting idea. Yeah. And I have now just spent all this time trying to shape it into something that I think someone will be entertained by. And then I go out, I put it in front of people, and there is an immediate response as far as if they like it or if they don't. And if they don't like it, I have a dozen more ideas behind it that I hope they like one of them right. or this is going to be a long night. Right, right. And that, yeah, there is, there is a but very... But when they do like it, that's the, like the best high. It's always, yeah. well, that's, it's always felt like a drug to me and I think that's, yeah, part, no, of, really that's part of why I think stand-up is not as interesting to me anymore in, in that way is because it's such a great high. Even when it's terrible, you find yourself wanting that high. So there's a, there's like, oh, that show went terribly, but I want to get back on stage because right. I want, I want that high again. Yeah. And I want to try, and you just 
keep chasing. For me, I felt like I'm just chasing a high. I'm not chase. I'm just chasing a dragon, bro. Yeah, I was. I was just chasing that laugh dragon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh, I got a little bit. Aha. Oh, mm, feels good. Uh, but no, but it is it is this very weird thing because it is asking you to kind of open yourself up in this way. We kind of joked about it that like you can blame the audience, but it's not really the audience. But the audience does play a role in it too. And I yeah. think both, and it's easier to see it with music, I, I think sometimes to me at least, than with something like comedy where I don't think the audience always appreciates the role that they play. Yeah. That yeah, if the audience true. shows up, if the whole front row of the audience has their arms crossed and, you yeah. know, like, or if somebody's on their phone, like, yeah. that energy, you're not giving that energy to the comedian. And that energy is infectious. And so, you know, the great thing about comedy is you're in a dark room. If the person behind you laughs, you're more inclined to laugh. You're more inclined to feel those endorphins, you know, right. and, and have that sort of reaction in a way and I think with music, it's, it's so easy to see that because people dance and yeah. people like, you know, the people on the left or the right of you start moving and yeah, swaying it, to the music. It's infectious. Yep. Yeah, it's, yep. it's easier to see as an audience member. And I feel like I've been to music shows where the front row, people are just kind of like sitting and they're, you know, they're very like wine and cheese or yeah, whatever. Nah, and you hear people in the back who are just like, you're wasting that seat. And yeah. they're just like so mad. Like, you should be back here. Like, I should yeah. be up there. The, the musicians need me. We do, though. And that's real. It's like, you know, that's why they call it a concert. Yeah. You know, like you, we're all, you know, performing you yeah. know, together. So, But I don't think people see that in comedy. There's not somebody who's like in the back of a comedy club who's like, right, right. you in the front on your phone. You don't deserve to see this person tell jokes. No, that's real. <laughs> There's not even, like, I feel like at a concert, too, like, if somebody in the front row gets up and goes to the bathroom, you're guaranteed somebody from, like, the nosebleeds is going to try to take their seat. Totally. That doesn't happen at a comedy show. Right, right. There's not, like, oh, those people left. Ooh, let's, let's get but, closer. But, at, you know, in a concert, like a musical performance, if someone gets up or someone leaves you know, their post in the front row, you're not going to, you know, stop the show to make a spectacle of them. You know, the way that one might in a comedy show. I mean, it depends on how they leave. I guess, yeah, it does yeah. depend on how you're right. Yeah. Or if, it depends on if you're doing, uh, if you're honoring Jay-Z <laughs> and he gets up and leaves in the middle. Like, he doesn't know any of my songs. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, that would have been the word. That might have been career, like, ending. Oh. I'm definitely damning, you know? Yeah. Like, had he left, like, you know what? This is just... Yeah. Just yeah. got up, no, yeah. like, didn't say anything. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Uh, with this show that you're getting ready to do, because it's something that you haven't done before, I know that you've talked about the excitement of it, but also how do you prepare for doing theater? And I guess on some level, because you all toured for so long, there's an element of that sort of theater schedule that, I feel like you can relate to, but yeah. how do you prepare for for this that feels so different than like, you know, for two days we're in Detroit and now right. we're in, you know, 
East Lansing. Um, the difference for me has been, you know, already like you know, we've done quite a few workshops of of this show. The show is called Thanks Black. Thanks for the it's invitation. Black. <laughs> I didn't get invited. I thought I did it. Didn't I invite you? You didn't invite me to oh, anything. Man, I, I really thought I, I thought no. I did. But um, <laughs> you know, we will be opening opening in the fall, and that's when it'll be you know on its legs and at its best. And then then I'll invite you. I didn't want you to make fun of me. I wasn't gonna make fun of you. And when you yeah. say you'll invite me. Are you giving me a ticket or are you just inviting me to, to <laughs> buy the, a ticket? How whack is that? Like, yeah, you know, you want to come out and check us out? <laughs> you show okay, up. Okay, cool. To, just show up I'm going to send you a link to <laughs> Ticket Trap. <laughs> ticket Master or whatever. <laughs> if, especially if it was like a heartfelt email, like, yo, it means a lot. Yes. If you would come to this show, it would be truly great to see you there. Yeah. I respect your, I, I, I respect you, and I respect like just you as as someone who appreciates stuff. Right. Uh, here's a ticket link. <laughs> yeah. Also, it'd be yeah. great if you could sit as close to the orchestra. Like, right. please get the most expensive ticket you can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the show, you were saying the yeah, title how, of the show. Oh, the title of the show is Black No More. And um, it's based on uh, sort of this Afro-futurist novel uh, that came out in 1932. Um, it's written by uh, George Schuller. And so our show, the book came out in 32. Our show is set in 1929 and 1930 in Harlem. I just know it's going to be a huge undertaking for me because I'm, I'm going to attempt to do both The Tonight Show and this show and we'll be doing eight shows you know eight showings of the play yeah. uh, per week right and then there are you know five tapings of the tonight show per week so um you know it's lots of heavy lifting involved and it's a huge yeah. sort of challenge but um i'm here for it i just want to do something i want to do what's never been done before and i was just like i was telling you earlier you know not drinking and not smoking and just being able to mentally uh compartmentalize and you have like definitive separation between like what project I'm working on and when um, has been huge for me and right. has sort of allowed me to do my music and work in a solo capacity and in a roots capacity and then, you know, do the Tonight Show and then even in this play to be a producer and a composer and then jump on the other side and, and act in the show. I think if I was, you know, smashed, then I wouldn't be able to do any of that. Or you'd be doing it, and it would be amazingly weird. <laughs> I don't weird. think so. I don't oh, think so. Weird. It, um, it was. It would definitely be weird. Yeah. When yeah. did you? Uh, when do you go sober? Um, December 2018. Okay. So yeah, like yeah. a nice little long enough now to say like I'm, I'm sober. Like I can. I can say like I, I don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's not that I'm not. I'm not gonna drink again or smoke. We again, um, it's just that, you know, I'm sort of goal oriented and I want the next time, my next glass of wine or, you know, spliff, I want it to be on my own beach. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, just so <laughs> that alcohol and marijuana doesn't go to waste, um, I'll do it for you. <laughs> I, Anyone who goes sober that I know, I'm like, if you need me to pick up the slack for you, it's uh, funny. I'm happy to. I mean, well, that's a nice way to look at it. Like my friends look at look at it like my sobriety is uh, is a prison term. It's like, damn, yo, I heard, man. You know, 
<laughs> like, yo, man, when 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 you coming back? You know, like. Well, there, but that there is a weird thing about that as far as like being an adult. Like when you're a kid, there's so many sort of social places where alcohol isn't a thing. Like there's a playground, there's like right, right. you know basketball court, there's all these different places you can go. And I feel like once you become an adult, like the bars are the closest things that adults have to playgrounds. To the playground, yeah, that's true. And it does feel like, oh yeah, maybe like. If there were some adult-only, like, swing sets, it might be easier to be like, oh, yeah, I want to go catch up with some friends, and we're just going to swing for a little bit. We're just going to swing. We're going to catch up. We're just going to hang out, ride a slide, yep. you know, get on the merry-go-round, and just, you know, after a while, we'll hang out. Then we'll, we'll, we'll all be tired, go take naps. Yes. and yes. see you know. tomorrow. Yeah, but it's so much, I feel like, of adult social life is... Yeah, rooted around bars. Yeah, the watering hole. Yeah. Right? yeah. We need playgrounds. If there's anything to be taken from this yeah, conversation. Yeah, adult playgrounds. Adult playgrounds and really just uh, beard grooming. Yeah, true. Beard like grooming. That's, that's what we want you to leave here today yeah. with. Yeah, those are the bookends. We started talking about facial hair growth and grooming, yeah. and we've ended talking about the need for adults to have slides that they can go on. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you don't want to be the weird bearded guy at the playground. <laughs> Alone, no, no, no. And on that note, Wyatt Sinek, Black Thought on Airfest. Thank you so much for having us. We are the Talk House Podcast. Big love to Scott, Gemma, and all of you for coming out. Thank you so much. Peace. Black Thought, Wyatt Sinek, Thank you so much for joining us here on the Talk House podcast. And On Air Fest, we had a ball. Thanks again. Thank you to On Air for, for hosting us, to Alia for presenting the talk, and to Sam Baer and Mark Yoshizumi for recording it. Mark is, of course, our co-producer as well. We have some great conversations coming for you over the next weeks and months, including Waxahachie, a.k.a. Katie Crutchfield, in conversation with comedian Whitmer Thomas. Jarvis Cocker, he of Pulp, with The Magnetic Field's Stephen Merritt, Black Belt Eagle Scout with Sasami, and many more. Jarvis Cocker, Stephen Merritt is the most Elia conversation ever. I am so looking forward to hearing that. <laughs> it's the only thing that kept me going through coronavirus. I have to live to host this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they kept you going, dude. The Talkhouse podcast theme song is by The Range. And of course, go check out our socials at Talkhouse on all platforms for some great images from the Wyatt Black Thought conversation. Oh, there was a great one too. I just have to shout this out. One of those moments of being with legends. Wyatt, Tariq, Talib Kweli, John Forte, and then and then there's me. That, that not, I, I wasn't part of the legendary lineup there, but, but my beard was, I think. You can check that out at Talkhouse's Instagram. That's a fine lineup of beards. And I have to say, like, after I found out you tested positive, I was terrified that you had been hanging out in such esteemed company. So happy to hear uh, everybody's doing okay. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I must not have been transmitting at that point because uh, nobody who we've talked to who I got to see there has uh, tested positive. And uh, God, I just send so much love to the podcasting community and everybody who's going through this right now in New York and America and beyond. Yeah, people, please stay indoors, stay safe. Do not spread this thing. Take care of yourself and the people you love. Maybe a stranger if they need it. 
but don't get within six feet of the stranger. I don't know. But till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. And you know what? Fuck the coronavirus. Peace. Peace.